Good morning. Very nice to be here today. And the sun is shining. And tomorrow, the winter will be gone. Amen. And that calls for cake. <laughs> well, it hardly seems like 35 years ago that I got a call from Harvey Fretz. I was teaching full-time at Emmanuel and academic dean at the time. And Harvey said, how would you like another job? We need somebody to give leadership to our new work at Beechwood in Waterloo. Harvey and I have an interesting history together. I was the first founding pastor of Lincoln Heights Church. We were there for almost six years. And uh, Harvey followed us at Lincoln Heights and did a great job in building, under the Lord's guidance, building that congregation. Harvey and I were at Emmanuel together. His wife and I graduated together. And uh, so we've been friends a long, long time. We were in Nigeria together. He and Rini were in Nigeria a long time. And my family were there just a couple of years But Harvey and his uh, family helped us immeasurably while we were in Nigeria. They met us when we arrived and just looked after us the whole time in in a thousand different ways. So we worked together at Lincoln and then Harvey became, uh, well, then Harvey was at Lincoln when Lincoln decided to branch out and start a new church, which eventually became this body. And Harvey said, Tom, would you consider becoming the, the first pastor of, of uh, Beechwood Church? And uh, we prayed about it and thought about it and said yes to it and jumped in. And uh, it, it was great. For six years, from 1980 to 1986, we met uh, every Sunday in the Keats Way Public School, which isn't far from the University of Waterloo campus. And... Uh, Wonderful memories of our times at Beechwood. Of course, the the church moved away from Beechwood, from the Beechwood area, and had to change its name. And uh, there was quite a discussion about what the name should be. And I well remember the Sunday when they decided it would be called Trinity Evangelical Missionary Church. And uh, here you are. And here we are. I want to go back to those years, to those six years, and I want to introduce you to some of the people that we worked with and loved and served during that period of time. So I'm going to imagine that I can see them here before me today. I'm going to mention a lot of names, and most of them you will not know. There will be names that are totally unfamiliar to you, but they're familiar to me. And uh, <clears throat> they're worth remembering. I'm thinking of Bruce and Joyce Cressman, who were really fundamental in the, in the beginning of the uh, Beechwood Church. And uh, we used to meet Wednesday nights for a few Sundays, a few Wednesdays before I started, in their home. They had a beautiful home here in Waterloo. And we'd meet there on Wednesday nights with the idea of planning services and, and looking back at the previous Sunday and evaluating what we were doing and so on. 
and then praying our way through into the future. And Bruce and Joyce were a wonderful couple. Joyce has since gone to heaven. Uh, Bruce had a major stroke a year ago. Uh, He's doing all right, although he fell on the ice a couple of weeks ago and broke his hand. Hard to believe that they were young and vibrant and full of life. And how I love going to their home on Wednesday nights because Joyce would always make fresh, beautiful muffins. I can smell them right now. And uh, a pot of wonderful coffee. (coughs) And we had delightful times in the homes of the Crestmans in those very, very early days of Beechwood. Murray and Shirley Snyder. What great Christians and delightful people. Dr. John and Roberta North. Dr. North was, and maybe still is, uh, in the English department of the University of Waterloo and very, very active in the early days of Beechwood in leadership, sometimes in preaching. They had two boys. One of them was Stanley. And every Sunday, I look forward to telling Stanley a joke. And uh, he patiently put up with my poor humor over those years. I wonder where Stanley is now. Wayne and Ruth Morris, that's a name you will know. And Wayne and Ruth, names you will know. Wonderful folks. And uh, so active in those days. Wayne actually becoming eventually our treasurer and so on. And Ruth so active in music and in children's work. And their children, Andy and uh, their daughters, Pam and Karen, And uh, Andy, ending up at Emmanuel, where are you, Andy? There you are, bless your heart. And uh, Andy going to Emmanuel Bible College and the sisters ending up in missions all over the world. Wonderful, wonderful. Lee and Sarah Penner. And Lee, they just came from nowhere, it seemed, but they immediately took leadership positions in our church. He had been a pastor with the Alliance and eventually became the pastor of this congregation for a while as well. Leonard and Cheryl Boyce. And uh, Cheryl, a marvelous pianist, and led us in our worship times. And Len uh, uh, also became treasurer for a while. And uh, how we appreciated the boys. Bob and Barb Reimer. Oh, my. Uh, Barb taught for us at Emmanuel. She taught English. And I think she taught my daughter Susan, who is with us here today. Greatly appreciated the work of Barb and Bob Reimer and their son, Aaron. Aaron was one of the most active two-year-olds I've ever known. And just uh, active is not quite the right word. We met in the gym of the school all those years. I preached under the basketball hoop every Sunday. That's as close as I got to becoming an athlete. But they had all kinds of sports equipment in that gym and and ropes hanging down. And uh, Aaron Reimer would try to climb those ropes every Sunday and get almost to the top and have his mother in tears because he was so incredibly active. But uh, Aaron went on to attend Bible college and headed for the Christian ministry as well. I wonder where Aaron is today. Rhonda Cressman, daughter of Bruce and Joyce. And Rhonda was a marvelous Sunday school teacher. She had one child, and, and uh, he, he was uh, 
Well, he could hardly lift his head, and he would never talk. He was very autistic. And uh, Rhonda got a hold of that little fella, and I don't know what she did Sunday by Sunday, but she, she got through to him eventually. And I remember the time that he was first able to lift his head up and look around. And then he started to talk. He had never talked before. Rhonda was wonderful. And that young man grew up, and he's a very close friend of mine and a very strong Christian living at the moment in Stratford. Oh, such wonderful memories. I remember Rhonda had a boyfriend, and his name was Jan Beckner, and he's now her husband. And I remember when Jan became a Christian, and uh, I was there when it happened. We were in an evangelistic meeting in Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, and the, the uh, invitation was given, and Jan said, let's go. And he and I went forward, and we went to the prayer room, and I had the privilege of praying with Jan as he gave his heart to Christ. And he's still going on for Christ. Talk to him last Sunday in our service at Bethany. Loyal assistants, assistant pastors that I knew and worked with and helped along. Bill Horn. Do you know Glen Acres Baptist Church here in Waterloo? Um, Bill is the pastor of that church and he's been the pastor there for a number of years. A beloved pastor and a wonderful guy. And Bill was my student at Emmanuel and then my assistant at Beechwood, and what a, what a great help he was. I could tell all kinds of stories about Bill Horn. Kevin and Lauren Taylor, what dear, dear students they were, what wonderful Christians they were. But back in those days, I had one thing against Kevin. He always wore white socks to church <laughs> with his black suit. And to me, that, that just didn't go, but it, <laughs> these days it wouldn't matter at all. Frank Ewald and Phil Patton and all of those who helped so very, very much in the beginning. Loyal workers, loyal assistants, loyal church members and attenders. Margot Baird. Margot said, I want to join the church. Everybody seemed to want to join the church. And uh, it, it was great. And Margot said, I really want to be a member of this church. And so we talked a, a lot about standards for membership and there were a couple of lifestyle issues and Margot said no I, I, can't, I don't quite see it that way yet but I want to tell you this I'm going if I can't be a member of this church I'm going to be the most loyal non-member you've ever had <laughs> and she turned out to be just exactly that Albert and Ruby Murdoch there they are Albert had worked in the Kitchener jail the one downtown the one with the big wall around it, and he could tell jail stories like you wouldn't believe. But such a sweet couple. And when I first got to know them, Albert had slipped just a bit in his thinking, but it just made him more delightful. And Ruby had to look after him quite often. But we spent so many happy times in their home, and uh, when they were in the hospital, and when they suffered, and so on. George and Ivy Lee whom we had known in Stratford years before. Karen and Wayne Berry and their son Matthew. Ralph and Mary Ann Telfer, who became our very, very close friends. And uh, their kids, Andrew and Rebecca. Ralph Telfer, 
moved, they moved to uh, BC a number of years ago, and Lois and I had the privilege of visiting with them uh, just a few years ago in, in uh, Vancouver. Two weeks ago, Ralph died. Maybe it's three or four weeks ago now. And they're going to have a memorial for him here in Waterloo in just a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to that. Never will I forget Ralph and Mary Ann. We used to travel with them on holidays. They had a motorhome, and we traveled all over the province, and it was delightful. Dr. Doug and uh, Lucille McCready. Doug was a professor at Laurier of uh, economics, and uh, he and I used to have some great discussions, and I preached about economics one Sunday, and he really took me to task because, quite frankly, I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> but he was so serious about that, he wrote an article about it, about my sermon and his responses, and had it published. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a wonderful guy. I remember the first time I visited in their home. And uh, Doug McCready was so surprised. He said, I didn't think pastors visited anymore. And uh, I'm really surprised to see this. And, but I had discovered that how are you going to get to know people if you don't know them in their homes? And uh, I loved visitation. Rene Fretz, uh, I used to call up Rene and ask her, is Harvey in? And uh, she'd say, no, Harvey's out on visitation. And then I discovered Harvey had a boat, and it was called Visitation. <laughs> Please don't believe it. <laughs> believe everything else I say, but don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, the McCready's. One of their boys, Mark, has gone on and entered the Christian ministry as well. Dr. Carol Cressman, Dr. Peter Foster, some of you know those names because they're among the leading uh, optometrists, were the leading optometrists in the Twin Cities for a long time. Peter was unfortunately very tragically killed in an accident on their farm. And uh, I think it was Susan and I who went to, uh, to Peter's funeral. At least we visited the funeral home and stood in line for a long, long time and greeted them, greeted her. And then when Susan's mom and my dear wife Carolyn died, Carol Cressman came in her busy schedule and stood in a long line to greet us. Wonderful. When we retired from Beechwood Church, Carol and Peter came to my office at EBC and presented me with a huge check for the library of our Bible college. I don't think it would be appropriate for me to tell you how much it was, but uh, I had to sit down when I saw the amount. Marion and Harold Dyer. Marion had been a missionary in Nigeria for a long, long time and then married Harold. And how we loved Marion and Harold Dyer. Irene Palm. She saw our ad in the paper and it, uh, it drew her to the church and she wasn't a believer, but she soon became a believer and she's still a believer. She wanted to be baptized after she'd been there a while and become a Christian. 
So we had a baptism service, and she said to me ahead of time, Pastor, you know, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. I would like to believe that that could happen to me. Do you think that that's right for me to pray that the Spirit will come upon me in mighty power at my baptism? And I thought about it and I said, I don't see anything wrong with that idea at all. So in the baptism tank, I could tell she was praying up a storm. This single mom who had all kinds of problems, but had come to love the Lord. She's just a gentle, loving spirit. And he came. He came. The Spirit of God came upon her in a wonderful, quiet, and worshipful, and glorious way. In all of his, what we sing this morning, in all of his fullness. Wow. Later on, I was able to conduct the wedding of Irene to Colin Smith. And they have served the Lord so faithfully. A wonderful Christian couple. Such memories, such good and wonderful memories. All those university students, Chris and Greg and Colleen, <laughs> So many EBC students who came. The Smiths who came. I, I put my sermon titles in the paper in those days and I had a sermon entitled, When Trouble Comes. And these folks had gone through some real troubles. And they saw that, when trouble comes. They thought, let's go and hear about that. And they came and they stayed. And I helped work them through that trouble. And it was big trouble. They're now active members in our church in Elmira. Such interesting days. So many international friends coming to Beechwood Trinity at that time. We had a rather large Sri Lankan connection. It started at Lincoln Heights. There was a Sri Lankan family lived across the street from Lincoln Heights when we built the church there on uh, Lincoln Road. And this Sri Lankan, this Tamil, was a professor at the University of Waterloo. In fact, he was the head of the, the Department of uh, Civil Engineering, Civil and Mechanical Engineering at the university. Just retired recently. And he watched what was going on across the road at Lincoln. And he saw the little portable church go up and then he saw the permanent church go up. And I remember in the early days they used to send water before the water was connected. They even sent water even over to help us. Dr. Arya Ratnam. And he began to bring people over from Sri Lanka. Family members in a huge family connection. And then when Beechwood started, he urged them to come to Beechwood, close to the university, and they came. They came in, in fairly large numbers. 
And if you know anything about Sri Lankans, they have names that are about that long. One of the first to come was Siruthusan Valipuram. We now just call him Suthan. For a long time, we just called him Thiru. He had been a high school teacher in Sri Lanka. But he had to start all over again when he came to Canada. He worked his way through University of Waterloo until he had a Master of Math degree and then became a math, prof- uh, math teacher in high school here and came faithfully to the church and grew in his faith and became just a delightful man of God. Still is. And we've kept up a friendship all these years. And several times a year he comes. He teaches now in Toronto. And he comes to see me. And he'll come on a weekend and stay with the Ratnams here in town. And then visit us on Sunday and go to church with us and come to dinner with us. He's married. Got a couple of kids. We have great fellowship with Thiru. His cousin was Sam, Sam Asukanthan. And Sam was a PhD student at the university in, I think, chemical or electrical engineering. No, was mechanical. And uh, Sam never came to church on time. I have no idea why. But he always came in right at 11 o'clock. He'd miss all the singing and all the worship, but he got there in time for the sermon. I think he st- thought it started at 11. He n- hardly ever missed. But he was absolutely never on time. I assisted in his wedding, a, a real Sri Lankan wedding, with marvelous Sri Lankan food. If you've never had it, you need to. It's great. Sam did his PhD, and I, I said, I want to get to know this guy. I think I'll go to his PhD dissertation defense. So I did. And he wrote his PhD dissertation on, of all things, the vibration of saw blades. And he worked out all of the formulae. So he came to his uh, defense, and he filled up a board with all of the mathematical equations of the vibration of saw blades and told us why that research would be helpful for all kinds of industries that use saw blades, certainly the lumber industry and so on. It lasted a couple of hours and I have absolutely no idea what anybody was talking about in the room. (laughs) But he passed with flying colors as I knew he would. And he became a professor, went off to Australia and taught in Nigeria or in in universities in uh, Australia for a number of years and then came back to Canada and now teaches at Western in London. But a fine Christian who never came to church on time. (laughs) He had a cousin who was Tiaga, Tiaga, Tiaga Raja. And such a lovely family, the Tiagarajas. And they still are, and they're still serving God, and we see them from time to time. The Nesarajas, 
And Susan will remember the Nesarajas because my daughter was a Sunday's, my kids attended Beechwood Church. They were teenagers at the time and they were a great help and uh, a tremendous encouragement in a tiny little body of believers as we were at that time. But Susan taught Sunday school and one of her students was Davina Nesaraja. And Susan loved Davina and it was certainly mutual. She's become a beautiful woman. A guy named Preethi. Sort of the, uh, I don't know, just somebody whom all of these Sri Lankans looked up to. A man by the name of Mr. Paul. He was buried from this congregation. A young woman named Anukshi and her sister Joyce. All of these Sri Lankans and more formed a choir. And every now and then we'd have a Sri Lankan Tamil choir. And they would sing, sometimes in Tamil, sometimes in English, always about 14 verses for every song. But it was delightful and wonderful. Not only a Sri Lankan connection, but a Vietnamese connection. Those were the days, those early 1980s, were the days of the boat people coming from Vietnam. Well, they came from Vietnam by way of of uh, China and, and uh, Hong Kong. And we adopted a family of Vietnamese. And the Levu family came. Ben and Lan and Anne and Doug. And we had wonderful times with them. And I learned to love Vietnamese food in their kitchen. You, you're going to think that, that pastors uh, think a lot about food. And by cracky, you would be absolutely right. Where's the cake? Let's get to the cake. Come on. Hurry up, Dow. But we helped them as best we could. We helped them find housing. We helped them find jobs. We helped the kids to get accustomed to their schools. I went to the schools, worked with the teachers, worked out courses of study and so on. And how we love the Levus. Taught them how to drive. Wow. The Nigerian connection. We had a young man come one Sunday. And then he came the next Sunday. And the next Sunday was, just as we had here this morning, membership Sunday. And uh, I said, well, all those who uh, plan to join the church, come forward. And this Nigerian came forward. He'd only been there one Sunday and he had no, no idea about getting ready for membership, but here he came. But I'd met him during the week and had a talk to him about his faith during the week and I thought, mm, not to worry. So we took him in and he joined the church and Soji became just a marvelous fixture in the life of Beechwood Church. I mispronounced his name for years. His name was, I used to call him Adasoji Adasina. And Harvey, I said that to Harvey one day and Harvey said, no, 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 you're saying it wrong. Say it right, will you, Harvey? Soji was fine. Okay. Adasoji Adasina. Yeah. 
he had a lot of problems at the university. He came to me weeping one day and he said, I can hardly believe it. I've discovered that there's uh, there are race problems here in Canada. I didn't think they were here, but they're here. And he was, he was being really persecuted in the lab where he was working doing chemical engineering. People were taking his equipment and hiding it and so on. One day somebody took all of his research, all of his notebooks, and it all just disappeared. And he had been working for months and months. And I remember sitting in the car with him and he was crying. And we committed that to the Lord. And Soji got under that burden and worked through that and worked as hard as he could. And within a reasonably short period of time, he had done all that research all over again and graduated with highest honors. And again, became a, a professor in universities in Africa and in, in uh, well, many, many places in the world. Soji. We had a Japanese connection. There were two young ladies, university students, one named Kelly and one named Shelley. And my son Stephen was interested in Kelly. Or was he interested in Shelley? Or was he interested in both of them? <laughs> I don't know, but it was fun for quite a while. We had a Chinese connection. Through Soji, a Nigerian, from Nigeria, here studying in Canada, he found a Chinese couple, or at least a Chinese student, in the married student's residence, and invited him to come to our service. And Xiao Su came, and Xiao Su also was a PhD candidate. And then his wife came from China, from mainland China. She didn't know a word of English. And Xiaoming and Xiao Su used to sit in the very back and he had his Chinese Bible open and he was translating everything that I said for her in the back very quietly and beautifully. She was one of the most beautiful Chinese ladies I've ever met in every way. And they began to come out in the evening. We had evening services in a lot of different places. We couldn't meet in the school in the evening. But we were meeting in, I think, St. Paul's College at the university in, in their chapel. And I preached a sermon about the, the sower and the seed. And some fell on the good ground. And Jesus said, the people represented by the good ground are people who hear the word and take it seriously and make it their very own. And they're changed and transformed by it. And by that time, Xiao Ming had become quite proficient in English. And she came to me afterwards. Pastor Dao, yes, Xiao Ming. I want to do what you said. What did I say? I want to make it personal. I want to take all of that for myself. So we went over to their little apartment after the service. And I sat between the two of them on their couch. 
And as simply as I could, I explained what it means to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. And Xiao Ming and Xiao Su received Christ. Well, again, he graduated and off they went. He's now a professor at, at uh, university in Saskatchewan. But when they write to me letters, as they have, one from Texas and one from out west, and one from back in China, they tell me how much they love the Lord and how much they love his service, and I rejoice. I remember the coffee times after the services. I remember the anniversaries, and we always had a big cake, just as we're going to have in a few minutes. I remember the feasts that we would have on anniversary Sunday. Somebody would say, come to our house, and let's have a feast to celebrate. And we did. I remember going up to Stainer and having retreats year by year where God would come and meet with us in our song times, in our worship times, and we'd have great social times together and community being built. We used to call it picnic in the park, and we'd meet Sunday nights in the park and have a grand time, Waterloo Park. I remember Sunday nights at the North Home where we would meet, or at the universities where we would meet, or in backyards. We said on one Sunday, summer, let's meet in various people's backyards. One fellow said, I'm not going to have a service in my backyard. What would my neighbors think? All of that noise and racket. And all I could say to myself was, you just don't understand. But we had some dandy, dandy times. Thank you, Lord. For those six years. Thank you that uh, Harvey had enough confidence to ask us to come. Oh, we've been friends, Harv. Lois and I serve now as the chaplains at Emmanuel Village. We have a service this afternoon at 3.30. I sat down this morning because I got to preach this afternoon and then a big family birthday party tonight at our other daughters and there will be cake (laughs) ice cream cake we bought it yesterday but Harvey helps us with our services Sunday afternoons at Emmanuel Village still a good friend helping out He parks all the wheelchairs and the walkers for the folks who come. Looks like a Mennonite meeting house way out in the country. There are no horses, but uh, lots of wagons. And we have great times there too. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad a long, long time ago I gave my heart to the Lord. He's been so faithful and so good and so many wonderful people have crossed our paths what do I think of those people if they were here this morning what would I want to say to them I'd want to say what Paul said to the Philippians and I wouldn't compare myself to St. Paul in the least 
But in the fourth chapter of Philippians, first verse, Paul says, Therefore, and here you are, Trinity, here you are, Beechwood, and I close my eyes and I can see all the people I've mentioned. Therefore, my, and then he piles up, piles up, a whole lot of terms of endearment for these people. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love, you whom I long for, you who are my joy, you who are my crown. Is that what those people meant and mean to me? Yes. My brothers, my family, that's what they have been, whom I love deeply and been reciprocated over and over and over. Whom I long for, we long to see and to fellowship with so many people. You're my joy. Where do we find joy? In our memories of great people, of great events, of great and small experiences that are precious. Was it all positive when you were at Beechwood? No. There were hard times. There were tough times. I just can't remember what they were at the moment. I really don't think they were were there, but they must have been there. But even the hard people, and I can point to this one and that one and say, ooh, that was tough. But today, when I put them into the context of the whole situation all of that hardness just disappears in the mix in the mix and some of them who were hard on me and said some harsh things to me I'm looking at their names and saying it doesn't hurt anymore And I can say to them, I love you in the Lord. And I can even say, thank God for every one of you. So brothers, beloved, longed for my joy and crown. What is his word of commission to them? If you've got the text open, see what Paul says. Just two words that stand out. You should stand firm. That's what Paul says. Stand firm in the Lord, dear ones. Most of them still are. They may not be here, but somewhere they're standing firm for Jesus. You know what? Now it is your turn. A page of names, Pastor James. What names will be on your list 35 years from now? These names. These names of people whom you love. Whom you long for who are your joy and your crown 
Will there be any stars in my crown? Oh, yes. Here they are. And here they are. And my word to Trinity today, well, it's happy anniversary for sure. Happy birthday, dear church. But with Paul, I want to say, stand firm for the Lord. All kinds of people are walking out on Jesus these days. I'm not going to speak judgmentally. Some of them have fairly good reason. But it's still tragic when anybody walks away from Christ. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stand firm in the Lord. So that one of these days, Pastor James can get up and brag about you and say, they're still at it. They're still standing firm for Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Great to be here.